it's okay to get negative reviews. Actually, negative reviews can be more valuable for you than positive reviews. Sure. So, yeah. for two reasons. So first of all, we, we did a, an A-B split test where we're, we're showing consumers a page with one negative review, yeah. and the other page has zero reviews. And then we do a split test and says, so which one are people more likely to buy from? And people are far, far more likely to buy from the one with one negative review. Okay. That's uh, interesting. Right? And because it is better to know, everybody knows that people are not perfect. Everybody knows that sometimes people make mistakes. Yes. The, the notion that, that, oh, you have to be perfect is actually not believed by your customers. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. And then we have such a multitude of emerging uh, markets. So people say, hey, I have a doctor in the iPhone. People want to know, does it actually work? Yes. Uh, people saying, uh, I have this self-storage company for you. People want to know, does it actually work? And although we, we try in our go-to-market approach to be rather disciplined about uh, which industries or subsectors we're, we're, we're approaching, yes. because, because the dynamic is so that, that if you have most um, content of most companies within that industry becomes more relevant for the consumers and for the businesses. So there's a self-reinforcing effect there. Absolutely. Uh, but sometimes we just see whole industries just self-select to go on. So for example, uh, just some, some oddity, the mobile phone recycling industry, at, at some point all the companies just at once decided. They hit some tipping point. Yeah, exactly, that they needed to use us. Uh, that was the leading company in, in the category that started to use us and then five or six others one just went on board. So is that and, a strategy where you can get one major company in one industry to get in and then this kind of FOMO yeah, sir, sir, for, for, for the rest that, of that, that can That can certainly help. Okay. That can certainly help. And how do you, um, you know, because obviously, Brand equity is built around trust, yes. uh, not just the name, but the nature of it, re reviews. Um, what are the things you do to try to uh, protect that? Of course, nothing is 100% watertight, but what are the things you do to try and protect that at the moment in terms of uh, Yeah, so, so we, we invest enormously into ensuring the integrity of the content on the site. Yeah. Uh, so there are many dimensions in it. So the first of all is just ensuring that people are as unsuccessful as entirely possible in manipulating the system. Because since consumers care so much about this, of course, sometimes people will also try to have more sinister motives and try to uh, write fake reviews of them. Yeah. So the way you, th you should think about this is very much like a bank is preventing credit card fraud. So you may go to a supermarket and uh, use your credit card there, and then your bank says, like, we blocked it because five minutes later it was used in China. <laughs> There's no way you can have traveled to China in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that's weird. So what, what they, the banks are doing is they're looking at data of what typical behavior looks like, and then they have statistical patterns that are catching anomalies. Yes. And so we do the same. So let's say that there is a company in London, and usually they have a UK-based audience, or a company in Paris, usually selling to French customers, and then suddenly they're getting a ton of reviews written on the other side of the world. That's weird. Yes. And now that's just one data point, and we have hundreds of these data points that, that we look at. And so what that means is that it can be virtually 
impossible for us to detect if your friend goes in and writes yeah, a glowing course. review yeah. of your podcast. Of but if you want to have hundreds of good reviews so that it actually matters, it's very hard not to trigger the data points. Absolutely. The, the other one we're, we're, we're trying to do is, is we're actually telling the businesses, it's very much a that it's okay to get negative reviews. Actually, negative reviews can be more valuable for you than positive reviews. Sure. So, yeah. for two reasons. So first of all, we, d we did a, a, an A-B split test where we're, we're showing consumers a page with one negative review, yeah. and the other page has zero reviews. And then we do a split test and says, so which one are people more likely to buy from? Okay. And people are far, far more likely to buy from the one with one negative review. Okay. That's uh, interesting. Right? And because it is better to know, everybody knows that people are not perfect. Everybody knows that sometimes people make mistakes. Yes. The, the notion that, that, oh, you have to be perfect, is actually not believed by your customers. Yes. They, they know you're just a human and sometimes you're a little, <laughs> you may, you, so, but not knowing everything, that's really what, what scares people. So it's a little bit like, think of yourself, you're buying a digital camera and it's a really cheap one. Yeah. yeah. So you probably know, Maybe the battery life isn't so good. Maybe the camera isn't so good either. But you're okay with that because it's really, really cheap. Yeah. You just like to know where it's not as good and then be okay with that decision. Uh, and, and the other reason that negative reviews are really valuable is that it, 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 it can signify a mindset in how you respond. Yes. And, and so we find that responses to negative reviews can be more powerful than 10 positive reviews. Yes. Um, again, because people al always know that things go wrong, so it's not about they want things to never go wrong, but it's how does the company react? Okay. Will the company go to war with, with you as a customer and say, yeah, but you forgot to reach page 17 of the terms and conditions where it clearly says that you have no right to complain about this. Okay, okay. Or are they the kind of company that says, we're really sorry that you had a bad experience, let's fix it, and here's a bottle of wine and some flowers. <laughs> That, 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 that is yeah, much more totally powerful than 10 good experiences. Absolutely. And, you know, I did notice something pretty powerful and positive that you did, which was um, an obvious thing a company is going to do, of course, is come in and start flagging every negative review. And I saw you built something into the platform uh, this year, I think, to actually combat that, which is uh, obviously a very strong, uh, a strong thing to, to do as well. Yeah, because, again, I think, I think what, what consumers... Re it's really important that they realize is that how a company is using the online media will really say a lot about how it, what, what its mindset is. Okay. And so in this case for us, the, the thing is that, so everybody can go in and write a review on Trustpilot. And of course it has to be like that because it should be up to you if you want to write a review of a business, not if the business wants you to write a review of a business. Yeah. So the openness of the platform is paramount. But then, because of that, there has to be an opportunity for businesses to say, actually, this person didn't buy from us, or this person this wrote some crazy things that are Absolutely. not okay to write. Absolutely. And we will then take a look at that. Now, some companies then abuse that and takes it too far and just says everything is wrong. Every single negative like, is either written by the competitor or it didn't happen. Understood. Uh, and so we started flagging that, and that's actually been really popular by consumers. Absolutely. No, no, that, it makes total sense. Now, um, there's no doubt you bring value to the market and uh, you know on the consumer side I can see it and even on the small business side I see it because you're kind of evolving because you were so early in this um, and by the way I believe the consumer 
I totally buy, I believe what you said, the consumer leads the, uh, B2C leads B2B by the nose always. They're always more innovative, they're always ahead. Um, but because you were in there, your user base, a huge amount of users, would be in the consumer or small business uh, space. So. I'm going to give you a challenging question, but before I say it, I will say that there's no doubt you bring value to the market. You're 193 million investment. You're almost 100 million ARR, I believe. You're knocking on that door. Yeah, you're growing your staff 20% year over year, more than that. On the B2B, you know, I'm a B2B SaaS guy, and uh, so I had a look around, and I, f I did find a category CRM, and I had a look in there, and um, I saw a bias towards the smaller companies. You know, for example, I looked at Salesforce, and it has an incredibly low review and the reviews are really about they're just one thing they're not like uh, they're not going into a huge amount of detail now we're talking about a larger b2b enterprise play and then i looked at pipedrive which by the way is a great company and it gets great reviews in there but pipedrive would be um for smaller businesses small to lower medium-sized businesses and i've interviewed one of the founders brilliant company but as a crm it isn't even a complete CRM, it's a, sale, a CRM for salespeople and a brilliant one. And it spotted a hole in the market which Salesforce wasn't addressing for sure. Um, but you know, Salesforce is a phenomenal CRM. It, there, it doesn't really have anything uh, close to it. I know because I worked in the, the domain for years and years. It gets absolutely torn apart um, on the platform. Um, and I think part of the reason is that you would be more on the small business side and the consumer side, and when you get to that enterprise scale, you probably need a bit more depth and a bit more and more deeper feedback. I know the flip side of that is that might be a barrier to people actually giving reviews. What would you say to that? Okay, so there's a lot to answer to there. So, so first of all, it's because I try to be diplomatic exactly, here because right? I appreciate because yeah. I, I can see the because I've looked at some of the other categories and there's brilliant stuff in there. But I, this was something that I flagged personally. Yeah, so. no, there, there was so much to go into there. So, so let's start. So, so the easiest thing is just the quality and the in-depth uh, of, of the reviews. So uh, something that you will definitely see from us is that we want to invest into creating a higher quality of review. So that, for example, if you're writing something, we, we will start n nudging the user and say, hey, but what about this? Or what about the delivery? Huh. And, and um, ask you to comment deeper. Uh, that's a work that will likely start uh, next year. And that can okay. hopefully add some more flavor to the reviews. Is that part of why you're here? Uh, no, nope. uh, no, that's just a part of the response. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the other part of it is that we do see that the larger companies are sometimes slower in picking up um, and engaging on the platform, uh, whereas the smaller companies are more fast moving and, and understand that it matters. Yes. Uh, so, so what you will see is that for, for some of the very, very large companies, they maybe say like, okay, we're engaging on Facebook and we're engaging on Twitter and that's it. And it's going to take Trustpilot another couple of years before we get to that size. But I will say though that the large companies in today's world are wrong when they're taking it for granted that they can just rely on the power of the brand. Okay. Uh, because imagine, for example, that in, in this doesn't matter which country you live in. Imagine that you're a customer at the largest bank or your customer at the largest CRM system yes. uh, being offered in, in, in that market or a customer at anything where you say the largest. Uh, 
Yeah. And if you have a problem, how good do you expect the customer service is going to be? From one to ten, how much do you expect that they care about you? And this doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C. And so the answer is that actually you don't expect that they treat you as anything but a number. And so I think that the opportunity for the large companies here is that they need to engage so that they show that they care. If, if there's one thing that I see these companies do wrong, it is they don't engage. And so the question is, it may not be that, that, that we are 100% accurate reflection of, of that product. Well, nobody's 100% Exactly, nobody is. Nobody no is. perfection here. Okay. Uh, but, but I certainly think that everybody would be wiser and smarter if the company would engage and, and share their story and show how they deal with those complaints. Okay, okay. And you're saying starting next year, so is that, is that a, an area, because I mean, you're so widely spread um, and the barrier to kind of submitting reviews is, is, is low, which on the positive side, it's, you know, you have a tremendous volume of reviews, um, which makes for uh, a kind of a fairly democratic uh, situation. And it certainly makes your business stronger because there's an awful lot of data there. So are you going to go after that space a little bit? Um, a bit more, a bit deeper on the, um, I'm talking about the mid-size to kind of enterprise B2B kind yeah, of type so, so, of... So, so the, the type of, uh, of setting what we do really well is when they have a lot of customers. Okay. So, so we're not, go so, so for example, I mean, this is not B2B SaaS. This is the very opposite of B2C SaaS. Of course. But, of course. but, uh, but $100 million mining equipment is never going to be something where, <laughs> where, where we'll add a great deal of value because it's a really a one-time investment people are making. In the next and concluding episode three with Peter Mulman, we learn why markets beat the team, beat the product. Our only salespeople will be our customers. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills, to Ketsu for the music, and to Anders Getz for the transcript. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and of course, give the show a rating.